Chapter Eighth of The Heart of Midlothian by Sir Walter Scott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Reuben and Rachel, though as fond as doves, were yet discreet and cautious in their loves, nor would attend to Cupid's wild commands till cool reflection bade them join their hands when both were poor they thought it argued ill of hasty love to make them poorer still crabbe's parish register while widow butler and widower deans struggled with poverty and the hard and sterile soil of those parts and portions of the lands of dumby dykes which it was their lot to occupy it became gradually apparent that deans was to gain the strife and his ally in the conflict was to lose it the former was a man and not much past the prime of life mrs butler a woman and declined into the vale of years this indeed ought in time to have been balanced by the circumstance that reuben was growing up to assist his grandmother's labors and that jeanie deans as a girl could be only supposed to add to her father's burdens but douse davy deans know better things and so schooled and trained the young minion as he called her that from the time she could walk upwards she was daily employed in some task or other suitable to her age and capacity a circumstance which added to her father's daily instructions and lectures tended to give her mind even when a child a grave serious firm and reflecting cast an uncommonly strong and healthy temperament free from all nervous affection and every other irregularity which attacking the body in its more noble functions so often influences the mind tended greatly to establish this fortitude simplicity and decision of character on the other hand reuben was weak in constitution and though not timid in temper might be safely pronounced anxious doubtful and apprehensive he partook of the temperament of his mother who had died of a consumption in early age he was a pale thin feeble sickly boy and somewhat lame from an accident in early youth he was besides the child of a doting grandmother whose too solicitous attention to him soon taught him a sort of diffidence in himself with a disposition to overrate his own importance which is one of the very worst consequences that children deduce from over-indulgence still however the two children clung to each other's society not more from habit than from taste they herded together the handful of sheep with the two or three cows which their parents turned out rather to seek food than actually to feed upon the unenclosed common of dumby dykes it was there that the two urchins might be seen 
seated beneath a blooming bush of whin their little faces laid close together under the shadow of the same plaid drawn over both their heads while the landscape around was embrowned by an overshadowing cloud big with the shower which had driven the children to shelter on other occasions they went together to school the boy receiving that encouragement and example from his companion in crossing the little brooks which intersected their path and encountering cattle dogs and other perils upon their journey which the male sex in such cases usually consider it as their prerogative to extend to the weaker but when seated on the benches of the schoolhouse they began to con their lessons together reuben who was as much superior to jeanie deans in acuteness of intellect as inferior to her in firmness of constitution and in that insensibility to fatigue and danger which depends on the conformation of the nerves was able fully to requite the kindness and countenance with which in other circumstances she used to regard him he was decidedly the best scholar at the little parish school and so gentle was his temper and disposition that he was rather admired than envied by the little mob who occupied the noisy mansion although he was the declared favourite of the master several girls in particular for in scotland they are taught with the boys longed to be kind to and comfort the sickly lad who was so much cleverer than his companions the character of reuben butler was so calculated as to offer scope both for their sympathy and their admiration the feelings perhaps through which the female sex the more deserving part of them at least is more easily attached but reuben naturally reserved and distant improved none of these advantages and only became more attached to jeanie deans as the enthusiastic approbation of his master assured him of fair prospects in future life and awakened his ambition in the meantime every advance that reuben made in learning and considering his opportunities they were uncommonly great rendered him less capable of attending to the domestic duties of his grandmother's farm while studying the pons asinorum in euclid he suffered every cuddy upon the common to trespass upon a large field of peas belonging to the laird and nothing but the active exertions of jeanie deans with her little dog dustyfoot could have saved great loss and consequent punishment similar miscarriages marked his progress in his classical studies he read virgil's georgics till he did not know bear from barley and had nearly destroyed the crofts of beersheba while attempting to cultivate them according to the practice of columella and cato the censor these blunders occasioned grief to his grand dam and disconcerted the good opinion which her neighbour davy deans had for some time entertained of reuben 
i seen nothing ye can make of that silly callant neighbor butler said he to the old lady unless ye train him to the work of the ministry and ne'er was there more need of poorful preachers than even now in these cold gallio days when men's hearts are hardened like the nether millstone till they come to regard none of these things it's evident this poor callant of yours will never be able to do an useful day's work unless it be as an ambassador from our master and i will make it my business to procure a license when he is fit for the same trusting he will be a shaft cleanly polished and meet to be used in the body of the kirk and that he shall not turn again like the sow to wallow in the mire of heretical extremes and defections but shall have the wings of a dove though he hath lain among the pots the poor widow gulped down the affront to her husband's principles implied in this caution and hastened to take butler from the high school and encourage him in the pursuit of mathematics and divinity the only physics and ethics that chanced to be in fashion at the time jeanie deans was now compelled to part from the companion of her labour her study and her pastime and it was with more than childish feeling that both children regarded the separation but they were young and hope was high and they separated like those who hope to meet again at a more auspicious hour while reuben butler was acquiring at the university of st andrews the knowledge necessary for a clergyman and macerating his body with the privations which were necessary in seeking food for his mind his grand dam became daily less able to struggle with her little farm and was at length obliged to throw it up to the new laird of dumby dykes that great personage was no absolute jew and did not cheat her in making the bargain more than was tolerable he even gave her permission to tenant the house in which she had lived with her husband as long as it should be tenantable only he protested against paying for a farthing of repairs any benevolence which he possessed being of the passive but by no means of the active mood in the meanwhile from superior shrewdness skill and other circumstances some of them purely accidental davy deans gained a footing in the world the possession of some wealth the reputation of more and a growing disposition to preserve and increase his store for which when he thought upon it seriously he was inclined to blame himself from his knowledge in agriculture as it was then practised he became a sort of favourite with the laird who had no great pleasure either in active sports or in society and was wont to end his daily saunter by calling at the cottage of wood end being himself a man of slow ideas 
and confused utterance dumby dykes used to sit or stand for half an hour with an old laced hat of his father's upon his head and an empty tobacco-pipe in his mouth with his eyes following janie deans or the lassie as he called her through the course of her daily domestic labour while her father after exhausting the subject of bestial of ploughs and of harrows often took an opportunity of going full sail into controversial subjects to which discussions the dignitary listened with much seeming patience but without making any reply or indeed as most people thought without understanding a single word of what the orator was saying deans indeed denied this stoutly as an insult at once to his own talents for expounding hidden truths of which he was a little vain and to the laird's capacity of understanding them he said dumby dykes was nane of those flashy gentles with lace on their skirts and swords at their tails that were rather for riding on horseback to hell than gauging barefooted to heaven he wasna like his father no profane company-keeper no swearer no drinker no frequenter of playhouse or music-house or dancing-house no sabbath-breaker no imposer of aiths or bonds or denier of liberty to the flock he clave to the world and the world's gear a wee overmuckle but then there was some breathing of a gale upon his spirit etc etc all this honest davy said and believed it is not to be supposed that by a father and a man of sense and observation the constant direction of the laird's eyes towards genie was altogether unnoticed this circumstance however made a much greater impression upon another member of the family a second helpmate to wit whom he had chosen to take to his bosom ten years after the death of his first some people were of opinion that douce davy had been rather surprised into this step for in general he was no friend to marriages or giving in marriage and seemed rather to regard that state of society as a necessary evil a thing lawful and to be tolerated in the imperfect state of our nature but which clipped the wings with which we ought to soar upwards and tethered the soul to its mansion of clay and the creature comforts of wife and bairns his own practice however had in this material point varied from his principles since as we have seen he twice knitted for himself this dangerous and ensnaring entanglement rebecca his spouse had by no means the same horror of matrimony and as she made marriages in imagination for every neighbour round she failed not to indicate a match betwixt dumby dykes and her stepdaughter jeanie the good man used regularly to frown and shaw whenever this topic was touched upon but usually ended by taking his bonnet and walking out of the house to conceal a certain gleam of satisfaction 
which at such a suggestion involuntarily diffused itself over his austere features the more youthful part of my readers may naturally ask whether Jeanie Deans was deserving of this mute attention of the laird of Dumbydykes, and the historian, with due regard to veracity, is compelled to answer that her personal attractions were of no uncommon description. She was short, and rather too stoutly made for her size, had grey eyes, light-coloured hair, a round good-humoured face much tanned with the sun and her only peculiar charm was an air of inexpressible serenity which a good conscience kind feelings contented temper and the regular discharge of all her duties spread over her features there was nothing it may be supposed very appalling in the form or manners of this rustic heroine yet whether from sheepish bashfulness or from want of decision and imperfect knowledge of his own mind on the subject the laird of dumby dykes with his old laced hat and empty tobacco-pipe came and enjoyed the beatific vision of jeanie downs day after day week after week year after year without proposing to accomplish any of the prophecies of the stepmother this good lady began to grow doubly impatient on the subject when after having been some years married she herself presented douse davy with another daughter who was named euphemia by corruption effie it was then that rebecca began to turn impatient with the slow pace at which the laird's wooing proceeded judiciously arguing that as lady dumbydykes would have but little occasion for toker the principal part of her good man's substance would naturally descend to the child by the second marriage other stepdames have tried less laudable means for clearing the way to the succession of their own children but rebecca to do her justice only sought little effie's advantage through the promotion or which must have generally been accounted such of her elder sister she therefore tried every female art within the compass of her simple skill to bring the laird to a point but had the mortification to perceive that her efforts like those of an unskilful angler only scared the trout she meant to catch upon one occasion in particular when she joked with the laird on the propriety of giving a mistress to the house of dumby dykes he was so effectually startled that neither laced hat tobacco-pipe nor the intelligent proprietor of these movables visited woodend for a fortnight rebecca was therefore compelled to leave the laird to proceed at his own snail's pace convinced by experience of the grave-digger's aphorism that your dull ass will not mend his pace for beating reuben in the meantime pursued his studies at the university supplying his wants by teaching the younger lads 
the knowledge he himself acquired and thus at once gaining the means of maintaining himself at the seat of learning and fixing in his mind the elements of what he had already obtained in this manner as is usual among the poorer students of divinity at scottish universities he contrived not only to maintain himself according to his simple wants but even to send considerable assistance to his sole remaining parent a sacred duty of which the scotch are seldom negligent his progress in knowledge of a general kind as well as in the studies proper to his profession was very considerable but was little remarked owing to the retired modesty of his disposition which in no respect qualified him to set off his learning to the best advantage and thus had butler been a man given to make complaints he had his tale to tell like others of unjust preferences bad luck and hard usage on these subjects however he was habitually silent perhaps from modesty perhaps from a touch of pride or perhaps from a conjunction of both he obtained his license as a preacher of the gospel with some compliments from the presbytery by whom it was bestowed but this did not lead to any preferment and he found it necessary to make the cottage at beersheba his residence for some months with no other income than was afforded by the precarious occupation of teaching in one or other of the neighbouring families after having greeted his aged grandmother his first visit was to wood end where he was received by jeanie with warm cordiality arising from recollections which had never been dismissed from her mind by rebecca with good-humoured hospitality and by old deans in a mode peculiar to himself highly as douce davy honoured the clergy it was not upon each individual of the cloth that he bestowed his approbation and a little jealous perhaps at seeing his youthful acquaintance erected into the dignity of a teacher and preacher he instantly attacked him upon various points of controversy in order to discover whether he might not have fallen into some of the snares defections and desertions of the time butler was not only a man of staunch presbyterian principles but was also willing to avoid giving pain to his old friend by disputing upon points of little importance and therefore he might have hoped to have come like fine gold out of the furnace of davies interrogatories but the result on the mind of that strict investigator was not altogether so favourable as might have been hoped and anticipated old judith butler who had hobbled that evening as far as wood end in order to enjoy the congratulations of her neighbours upon reuben's return and upon his high attainments of which she was herself not a little proud was somewhat mortified to find that her old friend deans did not enter into the subject 
with the warmth she expected at first he seemed rather silent than dissatisfied and it was not till judith had essayed the subject more than once that it led to the following dialogue a will neighbor deans i thought ye would have been glad to see reuben among us again poor fellow i am glad mrs butler was the neighbor's concise answer since he has lost his grandfather and his father praised be him that giveth and taketh i can no friend he has in the world that's been so like a father to him as the cell of ye neighbor deans god is the only father of the fatherless said deans touching his bonnet and looking upwards give honour where it is due good wife and not to an unworthy instrument ah well that's your way a turning it and no doubt ye ken best but i have kenned ye davy send a forpit a meal to beersheba when there wasna a bow left in the mill-ark at wood end ay and i have kenned ye good wife said davy interrupting her these are but idle tales to tell me fit for nothing but to puff up our inward man with our own vain acts i stood beside blessed alexander peden when i heard him call the death and testimony of our happy martyrs but draps of blood and scarts of ink in respect of fitting discharge of our duty and what should i think of anything the like of me can do well neighbor deans ye can best but i mun say that i am sure you are glad to see my bairn again the halt's gone now unless he has to walk over many miles at a stretch and he has a wee bit colour in his cheek that glads my old een to see it and he has as decent a black coat as the minister and i am very heartily glad he is well and thriving said mr deans with a gravity that seemed intended to cut short the subject but a woman who is bent upon a point is not easily pushed aside from it and continued mrs butler he can wag his head in a pulpit now neighbor deans think but of that my own one and a body mon sit still and listen to him as if he were the pape of rome the what the who woman said deans with a sternness far beyond his usual gravity as soon as these offensive words had struck upon the tympanum of his ear eh guide us said the poor woman i had forgot what an ill will ye had i at the pape and so had my poor good man stephen butler many an afternoon he would sit and take up his testimony again the pape and again baptizing of bairns and the like woman reiterated deans either speak about what ye ken something of or be silent i say that independency is a foul heresy and anabaptism a damnable and deceiving error whilk should be rooted out of the land with the fire of the spiritual and the sword of the civil magistrate 
well weel neighbour i'll no say that you may not be right answered the submissive judith i am sure ye are right about the sawing and the mine the shearing and the leading and what for should ye no be right about kirkwark too but concerning my own reuben butler reuben butler good wife said david with solemnity is a lad i wish heartily will too even as if he were mine own son but i doubt there will be outs and ins in the track of his walk i muckle fear his gifts will get the heels of his grace he has over muckle human wit and learning and thinks as muckle about the form of the bicker as he does about the wholesomeness of the food he maun broider the marriage garment with lace and passements or it's no good enough for him and it's like he's something proud of his human gifts and learning whilk enables him to dress up his doctrine in that fine airy dress but added he at seeing the old woman's uneasiness at his discourse affliction may give him a jag and let the wind out of him as out of a cow that's eaten wet clover and the lad may do well and be a burning and a shining light and i trust it will be yours to see and his to feel it and that soon widow butler was obliged to retire unable to make anything more of her neighbour whose discourse though she did not comprehend it filled her with undefined apprehensions on her grandson's account and greatly depressed the joy with which she had welcomed him on his return and it must not be concealed in justice to mr deane's discernment that butler in their conference had made a greater display of his learning than the occasion called for or than was likely to be acceptable to the old man who accustomed to consider himself as a person pre-eminently entitled to dictate upon theological subjects of controversy felt rather humbled and mortified when learned authorities were placed in array against him in fact butler had not escaped the tinge of pedantry which naturally flowed from his education and was apt on many occasions to make parade of his knowledge when there was no need of such vanity jeanie deans however found no fault with this display of learning but on the contrary admired it perhaps on the same score that her sex are said to admire men of courage on account of their own deficiency in that qualification the circumstances of their families threw the young people constantly together their old intimacy was renewed though upon a footing better adapted to their age and it became at length understood betwixt them that their union should be deferred no longer than until butler should obtain some steady means of support however humble this however was not a matter speedily to be accomplished plan after plan was formed and plan after plan failed the good-humoured cheek of jeanie lost the first flush 
of juvenile freshness reuben's brow assumed the gravity of manhood yet the means of obtaining a settlement seemed remote as ever fortunately for the lovers their passion was of no ardent or enthusiastic cast and a sense of duty on both sides induced them to bear with patient fortitude the protracted interval which divided them from each other in the meantime time did not roll on without effecting his usual changes the widow of stephen butler so long the prop of the family of beersheba was gathered to her father's and rebecca the careful spouse of our friend davy deans was also summoned from her plans of matrimonial and domestic economy the morning after her death reuben butler went to offer his might of consolation to his old friend and benefactor he witnessed on this occasion a remarkable struggle betwixt the force of natural affection and the religious stoicism which the sufferer thought it was incumbent upon him to maintain under each earthly dispensation whether of weal or woe on his arrival at the cottage jeanie with her eyes overflowing with tears pointed to the little orchard in which she whispered with broken accents my poor father has been since his misfortune somewhat alarmed at this account butler entered the orchard and advanced slowly towards his old friend who seated in a small rude arbour appeared to be sunk in the extremity of his affliction he lifted his eyes somewhat sternly as butler approached as if offended at the interruption but as the young man hesitated whether he ought to retreat or advance he arose and came forward to meet him with a self-possessed and even dignified air young man said the sufferer lay it not to heart though the righteous perish and the merciful are removed seeing it may well be said that they are taken away from the evils to come woe to me were i to shed a tear for the wife of my bosom when i might weep rivers of water for this afflicted church cursed as it is with carnal seekers and with the dead of heart i am happy said butler that you can forget your private affliction in your regard for public duty forget reuben said poor deans putting his handkerchief to his eyes she's not to be forgotten on this side of time but he that gives the wound can send the ointment i declare there have been times during this night when my meditation has been so rapt that i knew not of my heavy loss it has been with me as with the worthy john semple called carsfarn john upon a like trial i have been this night on the banks of ulay picking an apple here and there notwithstanding the assumed fortitude of deans which he conceived to be the discharge of a great christian duty he had too good a heart not to suffer deeply under this heavy loss 
would end became altogether distasteful to him and as he had obtained both substance and experience by his management of that little farm he resolved to employ them as a dairy farmer or cow-feeder as they are called in scotland the situation he chose for his new settlement was at a place called st leonard's crags lying betwixt edinburgh and the mountain called arthur's seat and adjoining to the extensive sheep pasture still named the king's park from its having been formerly dedicated to the preservation of the royal game here he rented a small lonely house about half a mile distant from the nearest point of the city but the site of which with all the adjacent ground is now occupied by the buildings which form the south-eastern suburb an extensive pasture-ground adjoining which deans rented from the keeper of the royal park enabled him to feed his milk-cows and the unceasing industry and activity of jeanie his oldest daughter were exerted in making the most of their produce she had now less frequent opportunities of seeing reuben who had been obliged after various disappointments to accept the subordinate situation of assistant in a parochial school of some eminence at three or four miles distance from the city here he distinguished himself and became acquainted with several respectable burgesses who on account of health or other reasons chose that their children should commence their education in this little village his prospects were thus gradually brightening and upon each visit which he paid at st leonard's he had an opportunity of gliding a hint to this purpose into jeanie's ear these visits were necessarily very rare on account of the demands which the duties of the school made upon butler's time nor did he dare to make them even altogether so frequent as these avocations would permit deans received him with civility indeed and even with kindness but reuben as is usual in such cases imagined that he read his purpose in his eyes and was afraid too premature an explanation on the subject would draw down his positive disapproval upon the whole therefore he judged it prudent to call at st leonard's just so frequently as old acquaintance and neighbourhood seemed to authorise and no oftener there was another person who was more regular in his visit when davy deans intimated to the laird of dumby dykes his purpose of quitting with the land and house at wood end the laird stared and said nothing he made his usual visits at the usual hour without remark until the day before the term when observing the bustle of moving furniture already commenced the great east country omri dragged out of its nook and standing with its shoulder to the company like an awkward booby about to leave the room the laird again stared mightily and was heard to ejaculate 
hey sirs even after the day of departure was past and gone the laird of dumby dykes at his usual hour which was that at which davy deans was wont to loose the plough presented himself before the closed door of the cottage at wood end and seemed as much astonished at finding it shut against his approach as if it was not exactly what he had to expect on this occasion he was heard to ejaculate good guide us which by those who knew him was considered as a very unusual mark of emotion from that moment forward dumby dykes became an altered man and the regularity of his movements hitherto so exemplary was as totally disconcerted as those of a boy's watch when he has broken the main spring like the index of the said watch did dumby dykes spin round the whole bounds of his little property which may be likened unto the dial of the timepiece with unwonted velocity there was not a cottage into which he did not enter nor scarce a maiden on whom he did not stare but so it was that although there were better farmhouses on the land than wood end and certainly much prettier girls than jeanie deans yet it did somehow befall that the blank in the laird's time was not so pleasantly filled up as it had been there was no seat accommodated him so well as the bunker at wood end and no face he loved so much to gaze on as jeanie deans so after spinning round and round his little orbit and then remaining stationary for a week it seems to have occurred to him that he was not pinned down to circulate on a pivot like the hands of the watch but possessed the power of shifting his central point and extending his circle if he thought proper to realize which privilege of change of place he bought a pony from a highland drover and with its assistance and company stepped or rather stumbled as far as st leonard's crags jeanie deans though so much accustomed to the laird's staring that she was sometimes scarce conscious of his presence had nevertheless some occasional fears lest he should call in the organ of speech to back those expressions of admiration which he bestowed on her through his eyes should this happen farewell she thought to all chance of a union with butler for her father however stout-hearted and independent in civil and religious principles was not without that respect for the laird of the land so deeply imprinted on the scottish tenantry of the period moreover if he did not positively dislike butler yet his fund of carnal learning was often the object of sarcasms on david's part which were perhaps founded in jealousy and which certainly indicated no partiality for the party against whom they were launched and lastly the match with dumby dykes would have presented irresistible charms to one who used to complain that he felt himself apt to take o'er grit an armful of the world 
so that upon the whole the laird's diurnal visits were disagreeable to jeanie from apprehension of future consequences and it served much to console her upon removing from the spot where she was bred and born that she had seen the last of dumby dykes his laced hat and tobacco-pipe the poor girl no more expected he could muster courage to follow her to st leonard's crags than that any of her apple-trees or cabbages which she had left rooted in the yard at wood end would spontaneously and unaided have undertaken the same journey it was therefore with much more surprise than pleasure that on the sixth day after their removal to st leonard's she beheld dumby dykes arrive laced hat tobacco-pipe and all and with the self-same greeting of how's all with ye jeanie where's the good man assume as nearly as he could the same position in the cottage at st leonard's which he had so long and so regularly occupied at wood end he was no sooner however seated than with an unusual exertion of his powers of conversation he added jeanie i say jeanie woman here he extended his hand towards her shoulder with all the fingers spread out as if to clutch it but in so bashful and awkward a manner that when she whisked herself beyond its reach the paw remained suspended in the air with the palm open like the claw of a heraldic griffin jeanie continued the swain in this moment of inspiration i say jeanie it's a broad day out by and the roads are not that ill for boot-hose the devil's in the dawdling body muttered jeanie between her teeth what would have thought of his dacoring out this length and she afterwards confessed that she threw a little of this ungracious sentiment into her accent and manner for her father being abroad and the body as she irreverently termed the landed proprietor looking unco gleg and canty she didna ken what he might be coming out with next her frowns however acted as a complete sedative and the laird relapsed from that day into his former taciturn habits visiting the cow-feeder's cottage three or four times every week when the weather permitted with apparently no other purpose than to stare at jeanie deans while douse davy poured forth his eloquence upon the controversies and testimonies of the day End of chapter eighth